As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Reigning Serie A champions Napoli have parted company with head coach Rudy Garcia after just 16 matches in charge. Here at the Maradona, final score, Napoli nil, Empoli won. Walter Mazzari is the surprise replacement, having previously been in charge of the club in 2013. So how have Napoli gone from winning their first league title in 33 years? Spalletti has done it, Napoli have done it, the 33 year wait. To sacking their manager just six months later. I'm Ayoa Kimulere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. All right, let's get into this, man. It is only Wednesday and high drama in Serie A already to discuss the turbulent few months at Napoli. It's the Athletics fountain of Italian football knowledge. James Horncastle with us. James, right, look, where, where do we even start with this? Rudy Garcia replaced title-winning boss Luciano Spalletti in the summer, but has just lasted, what, five months? Where has it all gone wrong? <laughs> you say five months, Io, but, you know, I mean, that's including two months of pre-season. So it's three months, really, and it feels... Like, while well, he, he was sacked after only 12 league games, it still feels like it was like a month overdue, which is remarkable. I mean, I think this job was always going to be really difficult for anyone who, who took Spalletti's place because Spalletti not only made history in kind of winning the league with Napoli for the first time in 33 years, but anyone who does that, anyone who has success in Naples, does become immortal and you know it was true of Maradona I think it's truer to a lesser extent of Spalletti but those people Neapolitans worship them and and so anyone else does look mortal compared with them and I think that's been true of Garcia I mean I think he was an underwhelming appointment in the first place because when you have hit that incredible high which was always going to be hard to replicate De Laurentiis the Napoli president and owner in the past has always managed to kind of he's always had a flair for attracting people to Naples who you wouldn't necessarily expect would go there. When he fired Valter Mazzali, he hired Rafa Benitez back when Benitez was still the guy who came back from behind in Istanbul uh, with Liverpool against AC Milan. He hired Carlo Ancelotti to replace Maurizio Sarri. Yeah, these guys have, you know, won 
Champions Leagues. Uh, Garcia is not. <laughs> so, but two-time French league winner, you know, yeah. considering PSG was sort of finding their feet there. So he, he's got some pedigree, but not that pedigree. Yeah, and, and to be fair to Garcia, like he had experience of working in Italy as well. He'd taken a club that Spalletti had coached in, in Roma, uh, very close to winning the league. He led them to their club record points total. And it was only that he came up against a Juventus team that I think in retrospect, people look back on and say, wow, that was just an incredible era of nine straight league titles. As much as people wanted to diminish it at the time and say it's easy for them, uh, you can see how hard it is now. Juventus three years without uh, a league. So he got Roma contending. And I think the thing that surprised me covering Garcia back then was he was a breath of fresh air. He was still fresh from, as you said, winning the league with Lille, punching above their weight against uh, Qatari-backed PSG. Um, and he was really charismatic in his press conferences. I mean, he had this line about he took over a Roma team that had lost to Lazio in the Coppa Italia final. So lose to your bitterest rivals, the biggest derby of all time, because it was the only one that had silverware riding on it. And uh, he said he put the church back in the center of the village, which like for Italians, they were like, wow, this guy's amazing. He gets it. You know, the he, Catholic he, references, yeah. he knows who we are. He, he just, he understands. <laughs> but I suppose... If you go back 10 years, the only way for Garcia at Rommel was up, considering they'd lost the final to their bitterest rivals, they'd finished sixth. In Naples, 10 years' time, the only way was down, or at best, like, stay the same. And he got the job having been sacked by Al Nasser in the Saudi Pro League because uh, he, uh, he didn't win the approval of Cristiano Ronaldo. So, yeah, fans see that. They, can, they smell blood. They sense these insecurities. And, you know, we spoke about it before on this podcast uh, around the kind of racism shown to Victor Ozzyman and the TikTok videos that were, were published by, by Napoli. This has not been an easy job for a, for, for a coach to have because of all the stuff going on around you. Garcia at that time said, you know, when he first started coaching, the job was 80% on the training pitch. These are my schemes. These are my tactics. Follow them. 20% off the pitch dealing with agents and players and the media and controversies. And now it's flip reversed it. And now it's uh, it's 20% what you do on the training ground. It's 80% everything else. But what do you expect when, you know, Napoli are now in the public gaze, right? If you're going to take a job like this, what do you expect? Like, you know, they've got possibly one of the best strikers in the world. They've got probably one of the best wingers in the world on the team, a great midfielder and Zielinski. You know, I mean, they're hot property, these players. And also they've just won the first title in 33 years. What would you expect? People just to turn a blind eye to that? Yeah. And, and the thing is, Ayo, they won the league by 16 points uh, and they they coasted from April onwards. You know, they, they started losing games. They started tripping up because they just knew they weren't going to be caught so if you win the league by that margin there is margin of error for the new coach coming in you think okay every season you start at zero but people still had in their mind a team that had run away with the league and had threatened to to make history with maybe breaking the 100 points barrier which only Juventus under Conte had done so there's all that to, to factor in Napoli played astonishing football last year you know I think even people who don't follow City as closely as I do um, saw Napoli in the Champions League the performances they put in against Liverpool against Ajax and were like I want to watch this team and then they didn't really lose 
any of the stars that everyone was anticipating they would lose uh, in the summer. You know, I remember, again, doing pods and writing articles in April, May, June, and a lot of our readers were saying, yeah, but Ozyman's not going to be there next year, is he? Kavaratskeli is not going to be there next year, is he? And they are still there. And so all of that makes us kind of put pressure on Garcia because it's like, actually, the team is more or less the same. It's a team that completely dominated and isn't just going to be a flash in the pan. It can open a cycle, maybe win another title. And instead, they're 11 points off where they were this stage last year. And they're fourth, which isn't disastrous. But the title race at this moment in time is like it's exclusively going to be fought between Juventus and Inter. It just probably needs a bit more time. I mean, they're fourth, 11 points off. It's not that bad. No, no. I think, I mean... For, for Garcia, one of the problems is that if, if you look over, particularly September, October time, there were multiple instances of players showing dissent when they were being substituted. So there was Cavadatskelia, who Cavara is, is a, seems like a very mild-mannered uh, guy, softly spoken guy. And yet he was taken off and you know, he made the kind of Italian gestures that he's picked up uh, over the last year over at Garcia. Ozyman was probably the most uh, the emphatic show of dissent when he was brought off against Bologna. Score was nil-nil. Garcia made a like-for-like change, replaced one striker with another, and Ozyman was saying, why aren't we going two up front and trying to win this game? And then Politano uh, against Fiorentina in the defeat before the last international break did the same. So all of those things, as, long, uh, as well as some fairly unconvincing performances in the media when it came to explaining some of his decisions. You know, for example, when they lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League at home, great game. Napoli actually played some really good football in the second half. Garcia said, oh, I brought on Elmas because I wanted him to take on Eduardo Camavinga, who was playing left back for Didn't Real Madrid. Camavinga just come off or something? Yeah, so he was like, <laughs> I want him to take him on because Camavinga's booked. I reckon if I have Elmas trying to take him on and dribble past him, he might get him another, another booking and he'll be sent off and then we'll have 11 v 10. But as you just said, Ayo, Camavinga had been taken off five minutes before Elmas came on. And so, I mean, he was, Garcia was explaining this to Fabio Capello, who was in the Sky Italia studio, and he could see... The guys in that Sky Tower studio were like, uh, <laughs> okay, what's going on? Which, you know, you feel unfortunate and embarrassed for Garcia at, at that moment. But I think you're right. On the one hand, this is a guy who deserves more time. But on the other, uh, this concatenation of things that have, have happened have kind of undermined his credibility. As, you know, the owner's actions, I would say, constantly undermined um, Garcia, either by saying, in the summer, I've got a list of 40 candidates these guys have turned me down. Now we've got Garcia. Doesn't make Garcia look like the outstanding candidate, the first choice. Mm. And then to go into the last international break and basically say, I'm going to call up Antonio Conte. We once went on holiday. Let's see what he's up to. Going to call Igor Tudor, uh, see what he's up to. And then, uh, yeah, Conte says, I don't, I'm not going to take over, take over mid-season. And De Laurentiis decides to stick with Garcia. I mean, that completely undermines a manager. If you'll know that the guy who employs you is looking to replace you and then doesn't replace you, doesn't put you in a very strong position, particularly towards your players who've already questioned some of your decisions. Can I just ask you from any of your insight, and you've just touched on it there, how difficult it was for Napoli to appoint a new manager? I mean, you, you would think mm. top of Serie A, there'd be lots of takers for that job, no? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because... De Laurentiis, there was a clause in Spalletti's contract, an option for another year to extend his contract. And uh, De Laurentiis unilaterally took it. 
And he sent an email to Spalletti one morning saying, I've extended your contract. And Spalletti was like, uh, what? Uh, we haven't had a chat. We haven't had a chat. On. You know, I, I wanted to take a sabbatical. And so I think that signals that De Laurentiis wanted to keep um, Spalletti or at least protect Spalletti as an asset, uh, if, if you like. And and so I think anyone having an interview with, uh, with De Laurentiis in June uh, knew that he wanted to keep Spalletti. Then I think there was a lot of coaches who were actually intimidated by the legacy, which is like, okay, how do I better this? Uh, it's going to be really tough. And so I think that put some some coaches off. You know, Napoli is still not a club that can, I, I would say, offer the kind of salaries that would at attract um, the top managers who were available at the time. Yeah, I mean, Luis Enrique, for example, was spoken to, but then went to Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, Paris Saint-Germain can offer him a lot more money and the chance to work with Kylian Mbappe. So it was actually quite difficult to to appeal to to coaches who as much as you could look at past Preston and see that De Laurentiis is very good at keeping his top players for longer I suppose in June a manager might think we might lose Victor Ozyman we might lose Cavadatskelia and so do I want to go into a title defence season without those guys now those guys ended up sticking around but I, th I think that was an uncertainty at that stage which might have discouraged people from taking Spalletti's mantle. What is so special about Napoli that players stay on? I mean, Koulibaly, I remember so many years it was linked to leave, yeah. right? Like, wh why, why do they stay? I mean, like, they don't play the highest, but is it the lifestyle? Is it the environment? Is it the club? I mean, what is it? This is true in Italy in general with footballers, that footballers are, for the most part, the main celebrities. Um, in a way that I don't think they still are in this country. Footballers still have extremely high profile if you are a footballer in Italy, you are treated you're treated like a king, I'd say in Milan, in in Rome. In Naples, you're treated like a god. And the hospitality of Neapolitans is remarkably warm. You know, they 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 make you feel like you are one of them. And yeah, in terms of lifestyle, I oh yeah, if anyone yeah, I mean if you're if your off day in Naples is like you've got friends who say, Do you want to go on a boat and go to Capri for the day? Then absolutely. And I talked about the pay differential between Napoli and the the European elite. I mean they'll they'll, they'll still pay well. And yeah. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Before you get back to this athletic podcast, did you know it's just one of many made by The Athletic every week? I'm Abby Patterson, senior producer here at The Athletic, and I get to work across so many of our shows. But even I have my favourites. Sometimes you're just too busy for a full-length podcast. I get it. We've all been there. Well, we've got a show to help you. Get up to speed with all the football stories you need to know about with our daily football briefing. It's done and dusted. Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. Got a bug for the women's game? Then full-time Europe is for you. It's our dedicated women's football podcast answering the questions you're asking from the WSL and Champions League. So what's going wrong at Arsenal? But perhaps you want to know exactly how a team has set itself up. Then come to the audio whiteboard and join Michael Cox and our analytics gurus as they dissect and examine the game like nobody else can. That's on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I don't think I've ever seen a striker who reads the game so well. Just search The Athletic wherever you're listening to this podcast now and you'll find your next podcast obsession in no time at all. Now, let's get back to your show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's move on to Walter Manzari. Obviously, Premier League fans will know him from, from his work. One of 300 coaches to have coached Watford, Watford in the last I know. 10 years. Yeah. A lot of them with Italian connections as well. Funny that. <laughs> um, look, we talk about De Laurentiis. And his unconventional methods of doing things, especially with Spalletti extending a contract when he hadn't even had that conversation. Well, he's basically announced Mazzari to the public via Twitter without club officially announcing it, right? Yeah, I mean, that was remarkable. Uh, tweeted, welcome back, Walter, before there was a statement saying uh, Rudy Garcia had been sacked. But I suppose, you know, as we've mentioned, yeah, this is a guy who was interviewing candidates mm. to replace Garcia uh, back in October. But yeah, I mean, Mazzari, it does feel like it's come out of left field a little bit because already um, in the summer when he was looking at hiring someone to replace Spalletti, we mentioned the problems that they faced. He was asked, well, why don't you just go back to one of your old managers? Uh, you know, be it Rafa Benitez, be it uh, Maurizio Sarri, although Sarri was on the contract with Lazio at the time. And he was like, I just don't think that's a good idea. Three months later, it's become the best idea, <laughs> which um, is, uh, again shows some of the um, how he will flip-flop. But, you know, Mazzari, he was the coach who, I'm not going to say restored Napoli to the status that they'd had in the 80s and 90s because there was a guy before him called Eddie Reha who'd got the, the team up from Serie C, Serie B to Serie A, established them in Serie A. But um, Mazzari got them in the Champions League for the first time in their history. He won them their first trophy um, since Maradona uh, was at the club. And his team played swashbuckling football. They had the three tenors uh, of uh, Edinson Cavani. And as much as people will look at Cavani and say, wow, what a player, what a career he's had. He'd been in Italy for a couple of years with Palermo and had not done anything really until he came under Mazzari's wing. But him, Labetti and Hamsik, I mean, he was the captain of the, the De Laurentiis era until Koulibaly uh, became symbolic of that but he did such a good job that he got uh, he got the Inter Milan job uh, on on the back of it you know he ditched Napoli and De Laurentiis at the time was not particularly happy with him dumping them and I suppose like you know Mazzari was on the rise then a little bit like Garcia you know, we're talking these two managerial appointments that's, uh, that De Laurentiis has made it like would look really good 10 years ago um, <laughs> And to be frank, ever since that, ever since Mazzari left Napoli, his career has not been the same. It's it's taken hit after hit after hit to the point where he's been out of work for a year. The last job he got was to save Cagliari from relegation. He didn't save Cagliari uh, from from relegation, and yet uh, here he is back in Naples with a team that is some would say it was good. I would say better than the one that he had ten years ago, and. I'm not saying he's failing up, but you know, it's it's an incredible opportunity he's got. 
um, here. Even though his first few games are going to be really tough because they play Atalanta, they play Real Madrid. They've got Real Madrid, they, haven't they? Champions they League. Play Inter, they play Inter and Juventus as well. And this is a guy who, again, not to go back to the recruitment process in the summer, which we keep circling back to, but De Laurentiis said one of the problems was that a lot of the coaches that were on the market were guys that played back threes. And he's like, my team plays a 4-3-3, plays a high line, this sort of thing. So I can't really consider guys like Conte, guys like Igor Tudor, guys like Mazzari. And yet here we are. I was going to say, you're literally <laughs> swerving around to Mazzari plays a back three. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, so it's immediately sort of been brief that yeah, Mazzari's told De Laurentiis he will play 4-3-3. And it's like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it because, you know, I can't remember uh, Mazzari playing playing a back four. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it might be one of those compromises where the manager's like, I'm so grateful to be back in the game, back at this club with this talent available to me, I will see if I can make it work. And, you know, I think already in September, Mazzari had given an interview. I don't know whether he was directly addressing this to De Laurentiis, but he said, I've watched all of Spalletti's games. I know his system inside out. I know the moves that they, uh, that the players make. So let's see if he can implement it. That could signal two things, really. On one side, this is a short-lived appointment or... Maybe if it is a long-term appointment, then, you know, try and give Napoli that that DNA back again, that winning DNA, which they had. But when you're telling me that he's off on holiday with Antonio Conte, who doesn't like to take teams on, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the season, yeah. this is screaming, you probably won't be here in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And I think Matt Sarri is fine with that because... Um, even if he hasn't been told that explicitly, I, I imagine like he's smart enough to to know that that is a possibility, and he's just grateful for the opportunity because of how his stock has fallen. But it still feels really early in the season to be making that kind of decision as a president to say, actually, right, okay, let's work over the next seven months on the basis that I'm going to be looking around thinking, can I get a better coach than the guy I've just brought in? We'll have to see what Mazzari does because, you know, he claims and De Laurentiis has claimed that they have a stupendous relationship. But I mean, I think I've alluded to it earlier that Napoli is a very, it's got a very strange fan base in that, you know, as you can see, they're, they're, if, they, if they win something, particularly the league, that city will party like no other on the planet apart from maybe Buenos Aires. But if things aren't going great, it can be a very moody, gloomy um, city. I remember even when they went out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals last year, the mood uh, in the stadium was really kind of heavy. You know, De Laurentiis had to sort of, was, was fending off protests in a year in which they were going to win the league. Everyone could see that. And so it'd be very interesting to sort of take the temperature of the, the stadium over the next few weeks. And, you know, I think Matsari will not be unwelcome because I think sections of the fan base are still grateful and appreciative for the job that he did the first time around it's a long time ago and you know whether he is still up to date relevant able to to cut it against some some really good teams in city um, we'll have to see just a quick one on italian teams uh, 17 of the 20 clubs are now managed by italians oh yeah i mean they're very proud of heritage they're very proud of tradition yeah is this by design is is it some sort of mastermind to try and bolster what happens with the national team? I mean, how does it all work? I mean, Italy has always had a very strong uh, coaching culture. Mm. It's the complete opposite to the Premier League in that, you know, 
Italy has its kind of Harvard Ivy League coaching school, Coveciano, which is really hard to get into. You have to be like an ex-player or something. I mean, Sarri didn't get into it for a long time. You then have to prepare your sort of you know, dissertation, thesis. You have to park all of the ideas that you think you know as you go into there and come out and try and be completely original. So it's been really successful in, in producing coaches. If you look at the foreign managers in the league, I would say for the most part, they are foreigners who came to Syria and were players and have been almost um, integrated and are considered, they're not considered uh, foreign, you know. And that was true of Sinis, the late Sinis Maevich, true of guys like Ivan Juric. And so that has always been uh, the case in Italy. It has been very, quite insular in that sense. And, you know, I think it's, it's quite interesting that probably the, the biggest outlier in Italian football coaching at the moment, Roberto Di Zerbi mm. is, is, you know, kind of coaching in the Premier League. Italian football is a lot more attacking than people give it credit for. I think over the last five years, only the Bundesliga has more goals per game. But some of the tactics, uh, whilst they are developing, you could see like, you know, a lot of teams play three at the back mm. in a way that they don't really in other countries. Di Zerbi is like this kind of lightning rod for culture wars uh, with proper football men in Italy. I would have ordinarily thought that Dezebi would be a candidate to take the Napoli job, but his star is so high now, even, you know, sort of with Brighton's form in the Premier League sort of stuttering, that the idea of bringing someone like that back is actually, is it feels a less distinct possibility than it did only a year ago. That's so you know? interesting. I didn't realise his stock was that high. I mean, he still hasn't technically won anything in the Premier League. No, but like, you know, he gets the it's pep the endorsement. Style, right? it's the yeah. pep endorsement is the guy who's pushing football forward. God knows how many videos next door <laughs> Tifo they've been making about uh, about Dezerbi. But yeah, it, Italian football is very proud of its coaching tradition. And uh, I think the interesting thing is we're in, inter in the international break is that the national team, aside from like a brief bit when an Argentine guy called Helenio Herrera was co-coaching the team or co-selecting the national team. It's always been Italians who coached Italy and coaching hasn't been seen as to be the problem. You know, at the moment, it's, it's a lack of talent coming through and um, it, it kind of shows that no matter how good the coach is, if the talent's not there, then, then the national team won't, won't perform. So, so yeah, I think it's, it, it, it's quite interesting um, because, you know, I, I would imagine that if Mazzari is not the guy long-term, then um, they will probably look at, um, you know, one of the best young Italians coming, uh, coming through in Serie A at the moment, be it Vincenzo Italiano at Fiorentina, Raffaele Palladino at Monza, guys like that, really. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. 
Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. Ederson fermato da questo rimpallo, Osimen si accende dall'altra parte, Kvaraskelia che riceve, Kvaraskelia uno contro uno, va sul destro, sterza, risterza e calcia! Sotto la traversa, Kvaraskelia, Napoli 1, Atalanta 0. I wonder with this relative instability, you've got Victor Osimen, <laughs> who... I don't know if you saw the interview with John Obi Mikel. The Saudis just want him. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want him? Kvaratskelia, I mean, insane. They'll mm. make an incredible profit off him, naturally. Yeah. And, you know, they only really lost Kim Minjay last season. So, the, 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 as you said, the team's pretty much intact. But for how long? Yeah. Well, they only lost Kim Minjay because he has a he had a buyout clause in his contract mm. and he was vulnerable. Um, whereas Victor Osiman and uh, Kvaratskelia don't. And yeah, we've already touched upon it in this conversation that yeah, Napoli are a club that is able to keep its best players around for longer um, because it's a club that has uh, next to no debt compared with others. Is always is never had financial fair play problems. It ultimately will depend on on the player and whether the player wants to leave and kicks up a fuss about leaving. You know, we can see the kind of position that Victor Osman had, which was entirely understandable on the back of of those those TikTok videos, which were were put out. But he stood firm though publicly, saying, you know, he loves it in Napoli and he loves yeah. the fans and he respects the fans and respects everything else. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know what game he's playing, but you know, and Napoli still hope to to get him to sign a new contract. They felt like they were in a good position to do that prior to it. And De Laurentiis is always. I think whenever a Premier League club goes to work, uh, goes to negotiate with Aurelio De Laurentiis, they think actually it's not worth it. Um, we can go and find a player who's slightly less money than this guy's asking for. And that's why Koulibaly, for example, you mentioned he was always being linked with moves away. Lots of clubs always came in for him. And yet he only moved when he was in his 30s. And even then, even then, Napoli got a record fee for a uh, for a defender in their 30s. So... It's really hard to get players out of Napoli unless their contracts are running out or they've got buyout clauses. So, yeah, so I, I think, and I think the other thing that will motivate them to try and keep this team together for as long as possible is that the sporting director, Juntuli, who put this team together, left to take over the rebuild at Juventus. And I imagine there might be a little bit of nervousness about, you know, as, as much as they put trust in, in Melusa, the new sporting director. Juntoli showed himself to be a kind of guarantee for being able to replace players um, and that sort of thing. So I think that will probably play a little bit on their minds. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, we've talked about this crisis at Napoli. They're still fourth. And they can turn it around. I mean, they've got the players too, right? They, they, they can turn it around. They've got the players. But just by dint of being fourth, they'll presumably be getting to the Champions League again. They're still in a good position to get into the knockout stage of the Champions League this year, and and that will that will bring in money, uh, more money next year because the Champions League is enlarged, expanded with this Swiss model, so they'll get more money from the Champions League, and that will allow you to again strengthen your ability to retain those players whose futures we're talking about. So their crisis is is a crisis in quote marks. It's 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 a it's a relative crisis. I think they'll be they'll be okay. It will ultimately depend on the ambitions of those players and whether they believe that those ambitions can be uh, fulfilled in Naples. 
Thanks so much for your time, James. You've got me thinking of boat rides through Italian lakes and rivers. Don't do this to me. It's, <laughs> it's too early. It's too early. No, it's too means. cold in this country. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for your time. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for much more. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.